On today's episode, we're taking a deep dive into Jessica's relationship with grief. This is the Sad Lady Problems Podcast. This episode contains conversation on death, illness, and suicide. Basically all the sad stuff. So yikes. So, hello. Hey, 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 <laughs> Hi, Jessica. Um, How are you? I am, I am okay. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Today's a rough day. Yeah, it's a rough day. I'm. I can't even imagine why. I. I I'm. It's almost like serendipitous. A little. That's maybe too gleeful of a word to use. I know. But that we're recording on this particular date. Um, Maybe let's start there. Why don't you tell everybody what today is? Yeah. All right. Today is June 5th. You'll obviously hear this in, in the future or in the future at <laughs> yeah. some point. Today happens to be the my 25th wedding anniversary with my first husband, Rob. So it's been a rough day. Yeah. What, what do you what's what do you remember most about that day? I just posted a sad lady Instagram post. So I have a friend who texted me this morning just because she always remembers my sad lady dates. So she texted me, I'm thinking about you. And like, as soon as I got up, I just started thinking about how the weather was similar today than it was on June 5th in 1998. I know I'm old. <laughs> and I thought about going to see, I have Rob's ashes at my house, uh, but I also have a little bit of his ashes at, at the cemetery in one of those little spots in the wall. So I wanted to go see that spot today instead of just visit him in his like stormtrooper helmet in my house. So, so I thought about going to see him and I thought, oh, I'm going to bring him white roses because... I kept my bouquet had white roses in it. And so that's what I did today. I, I brought him white roses and I played him our wedding song and I sat on the floor and cried. And it was it was nice. It was miserable. <laughs> it was nice and miserable. It was nice and miserable, yeah. Just so, how I like it. So the 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 weather was similar. Yeah. Twenty five like years ago. A a beautiful warm day, but like not where you're like sweating to death. Yeah. And we got married at like 6.30 in the evening. And I wrote on my little Instagram post that like we we wrote on our own vows and he read me Shakespeare at, at our ceremony. And we danced to the flamingos, I Only Have Eyes for You, which is like an oldie. Mm-hmm. And that it was beautiful. And we were young. I was 20 and had no idea what like our life had in store for us. He didn't have, he, I'm sure he had a mental illness at the time, but he hadn't had his like psychotic break. So it was something that like, I didn't know about. He said that he had heard voices from when he was a kid, but that it was like this playful kind of playful voice in his head. So I guess maybe he didn't really associate it with mental illness at that point. So 
you know, he was a weird guy and I was a little weirdo. So I never, I guess I never imagined that like this would be in our future. Yeah. So it was, it was just, it was a hard morning. I always think of, I think when you lose someone, maybe you can attest to this. You, you create an alternate timeline in your head of like what would have happened if they wouldn't have died and, and how your life would be with them and how it would be different, whether it would be, whether they would still have the mental illness and they just didn't take their life. Like, I always think about like, well, what if I came home? My mom always would say like when, after, uh, after Rob passed away, my mom would always say, you know, I was going to, cause I lived with my parents. I, we lived in a basement apartment in my parents' house. And my mom would always say like, I always wanted to, I, I should have gone down, downstairs that day because I was going to ask him if he wanted me to make him a sandwich and I was going to bring him something. And she always like regretted that she didn't go downstairs and bring him a sandwich because she thought, well, I maybe I could have found him or maybe I could have stopped him, which is such a sweet little like cookie kind of adorable thing to do. And it's also something I think very common, like, I even did it with my second late husband <laughs> um, where I would be like, well, what if we caught his tumor earlier? Like I should have noticed like all the changes that, you know, he was making. Like, yeah. why didn't I notice that? So it it's hard because I want to honor Rob and I want to, to honor our, our day together, but I'm also... I've also been married since then and I'm in a new relationship now and like living with someone and happy. So it's such a weird, a weird place to be because I was around my boyfriend this morning and my cousin who, who stayed over and, and she's been with, obviously been with me since I was a little kid. So she knows my whole story and we were talking and it's weird having that conversation in front of like your new love because it makes you feel like, Am I allowed to talk about it in front of him? Or, like, is he jealous? Is this weird? Like, you know, Rob is my family at this point. He was my husband, and I can have a new husband, and I have, and then I can have a new husband (laughs) because everyone's dead. And, like, um... (laughs) I'm sorry I'm laughing. No, I know. (laughs) You're uh, you're making me laugh because you make, um, you've, like... It's like an algorithm in your brain chemistry now to like yeah. make people feel more comfortable talking yeah. about this. It's it's like a like a psycho kind of yeah, situation my, that I'm in. Yeah, and um and you guys aren't in the room and you don't see our our facial expressions, but like Jess is telling me this story, but she's got a smile. Oh, on I her. know it's it's insane. It's not normal. <laughs> it's, <laughs> uh, it's normal for you. Yeah. It's like what you're doing to get um, to get through and get yeah. by. So if you guys haven't figured it out, Jess has been married twice and both her husbands have passed. Your first yeah. husband, Rob, whose uh, anniversary, marriage anniversary, you're celebrating today in, in the way that you've been kind of forced to celebrate it, I guess. Yeah. Um, he how So how many years were you married before he... We got, we, we started dating in 1995. So picture that if you weren't born yet, just imagine <laughs> grunge was all the rage and like, the it sure was. was dead already, but like we were fucking trying to get through it or whatever. 
and like everyone wore everyone oh, wore okay. Delias and I don't know chunky shoes and like I was a little nerd with my boyfriend in high school. So we got together in 1995, um, and then uh, 90, 1998, we got married, and then he passed away in 2003, the end of 2003. So we were married five five years, yeah. a, little, a little longer than five years. Yeah, and he he passed away from suicide. Yeah, so he had been suffering with a mental illness from... Uh, 2001, uh, about a week after my sister got married, uh, we had lost my grandmother a month before and he was like super close to her, like in the cutest way. Mm -hmm. He said to me when she was dying, he said, when your grandma dies, I like, I'm going to, I'm going to lose my marbles. Like, I'm not going to be okay. And I was like, yeah, we're all not going to be okay. Like everyone's going to lose their marbles because I didn't think he seemed depressed, but, like, I thought it was just, like, kind of garden variety. Like, we've been married a few years, and maybe, like, you're young, and you think that things are going to be different. So, like, yeah. you know, you think, like, life is going to be different. So I thought maybe he wasn't happy at work, or things were boring for us, because, like, we were constantly back and forth to the hospital with my grandma. So it didn't really, like, register with me that... Like, he literally was, like, going to have a psychotic break. Yeah. And then, so, after my gran grandma passed away, like, he waited long enough for my sister to get married to be like, yeah, I, I don't feel comfortable with myself. And I, we, we had gone to the doctor because I was like, maybe you need, like, you know, meds or yeah, something. Yeah, right. Um, and the, and he, the doctor asked him if he had suicidal thoughts and he said yes and she said i can't let you leave here without a plan to go to the hospital right like right. i i'm a mandated reporter i i cannot let you just go home and be like work it out everybody yeah. or whatever so we assured her that we would go to the hospital i think that was like a saturday morning and then the next day she's like don't leave him at like like don't leave him take him to the hospital and if okay if you need a day you can't leave his side you like this is your responsibility so <clears throat> he went to the hospital the next day and they admitted him and he ended up being in the hospital for a month wow and that's when i found out that he had been hearing voices it was like he was afraid to tell me the like hundred percent right. truth yeah of everything until he was like in the safety of being in in the hospital that's that's got to be so overwhelming as a partner like i i i married and um like you that's like a like such a huge burden yeah. probably it's 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 overwhelming and to add to add a like extra tablespoon of sad lady problems onto that he went into the hospital on sunday after my sister got married and tuesday my brother's wife died holy yeah. crap my sister-in-law she she died in her sleep at 25 years old and she had three children which were my one was my godchild and the rest are my nieces and that's my brother's wife and like so while i was getting ready to go to see rob in the hospital that day 
I have two brothers. One brother called me and was like, you have to come home right now. And I was like, yeah, I, I can't. I'm going to see Rob and like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, no, like come home right now. He's like, I don't want you to be alone, but I have to tell you something. So that happened. So while Rob was in the hospital, I was like sleeping on my brother's floor because his wife just passed away and we were taking care, care of his, his children. His children oh and my him. God. And my, he was afraid to like go to sleep at home alone. Yeah. And like, it was like uber traumatic in, in a way that just, if you've ever been through something traumatic, which everyone has on different levels, you feel like you're kind of like floating through space and mm. just like yeah. existing, but everything is foggy and you're just like trying to remember how to like walk and talk yeah. and remember to eat and like just function. Did you like tell basic. Rob about that? Or were you I nervous? To I, tell? Yeah, I was yeah. scared. I didn't tell him for a, like maybe two days after because I just wanted, he had just been hospitalized and like I didn't, I knew he couldn't go to the funeral yeah. obviously, but I also wanted him to know why I hadn't shown up at the hospital on that Tuesday because essentially he had been hospitalized two days before my only responsibility was like go see your man in the hospital two hours a day yeah you know he was on a locked unit he was being taken care of obviously when you're on a psych unit they take your shoelaces from you they take anything that can be used as like some sort of weapon to hurt yourself or someone else they remove from you so i knew he was safe but I didn't want to add an, the extra burden of grief onto him. Yeah. Oh so we were gosh. dealing with that. Yeah. It was insane. And then we had to tell my sister when she got home from her honeymoon. It was like a garbage dump of a fucking situation. You were, you know, so my first introduction to you actually was when Rob passed. Yeah. I had just started dating uh, my, my current husband and... Um, his oldest sister is your bestie. Yeah. And she, um, when she told me, it was just like, if I didn't even know you. And yeah. you're like, it feels like someone's taking your esophagus and pulling it out of your body. And you're, yeah. I felt terrible, just so, so terrible. And, and um, you know, Heather, you know, my yeah. sister-in-law was just like a mess. And yeah, she, she was had, really close. Yeah. She was friends with Rob before yeah. I started dating him. Yeah. So. And she was really good crazy. With him. So that was my first experience with you. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've gotten to know you better over the years because I've been, you know. In the family. I've together. been in the family. Yeah. For we're I'm about to celebrate my 17th wedding anniversary. And um, so I've known you and, and seen you go through all of this stuff. And dare I say, like, you're you ha- sort of have like a grief parfait going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like-, like crunchy and then smooth. <laughs> Smooth yogurt and then crunchy granola. And you're like... With berries. It's so... There's so many layers things. though, Jess. Like, yeah. I don't even know... It's a lot. I don't I don't even know how you're smiling. I know. Today, <laughs> I don't feel like super smiling a lot. But, yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to be... I think you never feel normal again when you have had a, a big loss. And most of us, like, I've never really felt that normal. I was a little weirdo in high school and, like, which is great. I loved being a weirdo. But, like, you know, the world doesn't necessarily, like, 
love you back, but but it makes you feel even more like a weirdo or isolating when yeah. you lose someone. And to be a widow at 26 feels like no one I know in knew in my life at that point could possibly understand how I yeah. feel except for like my grandma who I'd lost yeah. or someone else's fucking grandma who like, yeah. like I felt like an old woman yeah. immediately as, as a widow from the time I was 26 years old. And yeah. like, I've never not felt like an old lady since then. So, I mean, listen, it's great. I love feeling like an old lady, but. <laughs> uh, you are an incredible resource though, because of it. And it's like, it's, there's so much this, that's so heavy and sad to think, to think about. But, um, like your, your relationship with death is in, in my experience, like with the human race, like is the most unique for me. Um, I don't even, you know, and then, you know, I got to know you better and you find, um, you find love again. And yeah, it's, it's and, and, and it's beautiful. Like there's not like, there's nothing more beautiful in this world than love. Like the love of anyone. Yeah. I love my nieces. I love my brothers and my sister. I love my parents. I love my friends. There's no, obviously falling in love with a partner is different and deeper and more vulnerable in some ways. Yeah. And to put yourself out there again and again is daunting. Rob was, today's our anniversary and I want to do his description a little extra justice. Rob was tall and funny and handsome and goofy. And he loved theater as a high schooler and was really great at it. Often when I watch Saturday Night Live or something like that, he remind Rob reminded me of like Bill Hader. Mm-hmm. Like just like kind of totally goofy and silly. He could do that like weird deep voice when Bill Hader does like spices. Which is hilarious <laughs> when he does Stefan. Like Rob was hilarious, but he was also vulnerable and sweet with me in a way that like maybe he wasn't with everyone Mm -hmm. I felt like so lucky that I got to be his love and that he got to be my love he loved Shakespeare but he also loved Weird Al Yankovic like (laughs) and Dr. Demento Mm -hmm. kind of vibes I found out after he passed away uh he told my brother uh who was like one of his little best friends he told my brother that he had, he had auditioned to be, before Ringling Brothers closed, he auditioned to be, to go to Ringling Brothers Clown College, which is a thing. Yeah. It, and it's I a know. big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. Yeah, like, I think it's dope. I don't care if you think it's nerdy. It's awesome. <laughs> nerdy but, things are dope. Yeah, I think so too. But um, I don't know if the viewer or the listener thinks it's cool, but it is cool. <laughs> and... And they sent him a letter after he auditioned saying, please send your information in. We're really excited. Like, we noticed you and we're really excited to hear from you. So I thought, oh, he's totally going to get in. Yeah. But we were young. And I was like, well, he's going to have to go away, not only for clown college, <laughs> but but to travel with the circus, yeah. which is hilarious to say, but like so cool. 
And I remember telling him, like, listen, if you get in, it's fine. Like, I'll go to school. You'll go away. And, like, we'll see if we can come back to each other. Like, I understand we're young and that, like, it might not be in the cards for us. Yeah. Like, but but I want you to pursue your dreams and I want to pursue my dream. And, like, I get that you might have to go. And I remember he got the note from Ringling Brothers Clam College and he told me that he didn't get in. And I couldn't understand it. I was so frustrated. I was like, that's some bullshit. Like, they sent you a letter and told you they had their little eyes on you. Yeah, yeah. And so our life continued. And uh, a few years after we got married, he got sick. And obviously, he was in and out of the hospital a bunch of times. And I found out uh, after his funeral, my brother told me that Rob got into clown college. Oh and my that gosh. he lied to me because he wanted to marry me and he wanted to stay with me. Sometimes I'm mad at my brother for telling me because I'm like, I never felt so guilty in my life for keeping someone from their purpose, mm-hmm. even though he didn't ask me if he could go or not go. Yeah. He just didn't go because he decided that he didn't want to go. I just never felt so guilty in my life. And I always felt like, when I think of alternative timelines for how things could have been, I always wonder, like, what if he, maybe he would have been okay if he went to clown college. And I made a lot of, like, sad lady art about it. But then people always, like, try to comfort me and tell me, like, you know, he had a family with you. He had, like, the love of his life. And yeah. he had the love of his friends. And he had the love of your family and the love of his family. And, like, maybe that's what he That's what he wanted. Chose and yeah. wanted. It just feels disgusting. But coming to terms with all this stuff is really difficult. Please go to therapy, everyone. I've gone, <laughs> I've gone to years Agreed. of therapy. Like my brother lost his wife and he dealt with things in a different way. And it took him longer to heal. And it's still hard for him. And it's still hard for me. But I feel like healing with therapy is so much more of a comfort. And like you keep your marbles a little more when you have someone to talk to about it absolutely and also grief is sneaky and 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 conniving and uh the greatest spy or um deceiver because you could be grieving and not even realize it you're like could be doing something very just out of character for yourself but it doesn't seem to be connected to grief but in fact it is you processing grief because your brain is just so it's like, it's like a bunch of marbles just yeah. bouncing around and like, there's like little tiny doorways that each marble could go through yeah. and each one's going to land in a different spot and something, you're going to do something different. So, um, and it affects all the relationships in your life absolutely. in ways that like, you don't even you have no think idea. that it's affecting it yeah. and it is. Yeah. But Rob was beautiful. Even when... We would laugh our asses off even when he was in the hospital or when he was in the emergency room Mm -hmm. and we were just waiting for them to admit him because he felt like he was going to take his own life. Yeah. We would like laugh. I don't like Billy Joel, even though I'm a Long Islander, which I know is sacrilege. (gasps) How dare you? I know. Uh, But Rob loved Billy Joel. And like, I have a really adorable memory of us like sitting like on a locked unit, but we got to have some outside time and like 
I told him like, all right, let's sing Billy Joel and see who know the who who knows the words better. And we would just like sing a song and giggle and like, it's just so weird to be ha- happy and so miserable at the same time. Like life is confusing like that. You could be like in the freaking worst, mm-hmm. like in the worst moments of your life, you could still manage to like enjoy the people that you love. Yeah. And it's confusing. Yeah. That's I, you know, and that's what gets so frustrating when people think it could be just like sorted, like you're either happy or sad, like yeah. what's going on in your life? Like you were just smiling. How could you be so depressed Yeah, or stressed or like, but like we said in the last episode, if you don't laugh about it, it's going to kill you. Yeah. So you find ways to like, you know, make it, I like, like, I don't know, like make the best human characteristics come out at that, at those times, I guess. And I feel like that's when some of your most real and like beautiful, like human character traits are seen. Yeah. Is when like there's suffering going on and you and someone tries to make it okay. Yeah. You know, you see like the divinity inside of them because they're just trying to pull something beautiful out of a miserable moment. And me and Rob got really good at trying to do that. Rob started seeing things that weren't there. He had been hearing things that weren't there. They were telling him to take his life. He had delusions about an audience living in his head that would sway his opinion about decision-making or people that he enjoyed being around or people that he didn't enjoy being around based on that, like, audience. His delusion was, like, if you've ever seen The Truman Show, it's, like, kind of the opposite of that in the sense that, like, Rob believed that he was being watched, like, in a movie. Right, right. But... In Truman Show, everyone knows but Truman. Mm-hmm. In Rob's life, no one knew but Rob. Yeah. So I he would always say, like, he was paranoid in the shower. And I'd be like, you're alone in the shower. Like, how could you be paranoid? And it was because he felt like People. there was cameras everywhere. Yeah. There was always someone watching him. But I didn't know. My family didn't know. No one knew. But that the audience was always... The audience in his head was always watching. Yeah. And they would... I would ask them, like, well, do they leave? And he would be like, no, they they live there. They, they like, have blankets and they sleep at the theater in my head. It was, it was hard to listen to with, not with a straight face in the sense that I was going to laugh at him because that's not what it was. It was hard to listen to him without being horrifyingly confused and, like, desperate for him. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's weird to have to keep a straight face when someone is telling you something so troubling. Yeah. And you have to act like, oh, no big deal, girl. Yeah. yeah. Everybody feels that way. <laughs> right. To make them feel better. And I experienced it later in my life with my father when he had Alzheimer's. Right. Because he would say things and you have to be like, oh, yeah, girl, it's cool. Like oh, you don't know my name and I'm your daughter for 40 years. It's fine. That doesn't traumatize me or make me feel devastated. 
Like, it's fine, dad. Like, I'm Jessica. Yeah. Like, it felt very similar. Like, you are living in a fucking nightmare where you're alone and you have to keep someone else, like, mentally okay and safe. And obviously, there's only so long that you can do that for someone before you may not be around them for a few moments and and that person's demons win. And that's what happened. I, my mother told me, go back to school while you're going through this and we'll be home with Rob. He's downstairs. It's not a big deal. I'm not blaming my mother. I love my mother. No, I'm not no, saying I that. know that. Because I could have been in the bathroom or upstairs with playing with the girls and this could have happened. And I went to school and I came home one day and I found him on the floor in our apartment. And before I found him on the floor, I was coming down the stairs, like making cutie pie noises, like, hey girl, or like, how's my boyfriend? I love you, honey. Yeah. And I heard this like snoring noise coming from the the bedroom and it was unnerving. And so I went in the room and he was on the floor, like, breathing out these snoring noises, which I later found out is called the death rattle. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah. His Wait. sister was a nurse and told me that that's the noise. Holy crap. Yeah. So what happened was I didn't keep Rob's pills locked up because he had never had an issue with taking his pills or overtaking his pills. Right. And I know people can blame me on on, on wherever. And I trust me, I've blamed myself and people have asked me. And Rob took all of his pills, like three months worth of his. He was on a seizure medication, uh, which often they give people who have certain mental illnesses because um, he had an underlying possible seizure disorder. That was uh, adding to his problems. And he took like 100 pills while I was at school for like two hours. And he had taken, I, he was on the floor and there was blood on the floor. Like he had clonked his head. But there was also like vomit of like, I had these, the carvings in my dresser. And it looked like he had taken the pills and gone to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. This is how I, this is my CSI version of what I think happened. Okay. Which is, okay. Which is like dollar store CSI, but this is what I think happened. I think that he took the pills on the bed thinking like, I'm going to go Mimi and go to sleep and just die here. Right. And I think that he got sick. So I think that the, I think that maybe he threw up either on the dresser or he had a handful of pills and squished them into the dresser because there was like powder all in the carving of the dresser. And then when I went into the bathroom, there was like powder in the sink that looked like maybe he threw up in the sink. Right. So I, I imagine that he like made the attempt to make a like, little sweetie pie death for himself and hopefully for me to find and that it just didn't go the way he wanted and he was like he couldn't help but throw up so he threw up I guess in the sink and then ended up 
falling and clunking his head on the dresser. Right. So I found him on the floor and I called the ambulance. I went and got my father and then just like waited there. Yeah. And then you went to the hospital and it wasn't until later after he was in the ICU and, and they had told me like, don't talk to him too much because he hears you. And when he hears you, his body jerks and then it kicks off a seizure. Oh gosh. So I couldn't even really talk to him and tell him anything because they, for his safety, they didn't want that. Did you find a suicide, a suicide note? Yeah. So tell us about that. So I came home the night he went into the hospital because the IC, the people in the ICU said that I couldn't stay there. And I lived like five minutes from the hospital. So they said, go sleep in your bed. We'll take care of him. How do you sleep in your bed? I don't know. I have like, no how idea. Do you, okay. I so, went home like a zombie. Yeah. And my sister had met me at the hospital and obviously his sister was there as well. So we all kind of went home. But my sister went home with me. I have the best sister who, like, wants to hold me like a baby. And she's my older sister. And she always, like, is protective and wants to take care of me. So she went home with me, dropped me off, and asked me if I wanted her to stay over or anything like that. And I said no. In my head, I felt like I was stable, which is what crazy people think when they think well, they're stable. When you're in shock, like, yeah. that's what happens, right? So I was thinking, you know what? I'm so tired that maybe I'll just go to sleep and I'm going to get up really early in the morning to go back to the hospital. So it's fine. So I went home. I went downstairs, obviously, into my house. And I went back into the room where I found him. And the blood was on the floor. I didn't want to clean anything up. I was exhausted. And I went through a few notebooks that I had laying around thinking that maybe I would find a note from him. I wasn't sure if he had overdosed by accident in a moment of confusion. Right. Or if okay. if it was what I thought, which it was, was I thought yeah. that it could be purposeful. So I went through the notebooks. I didn't find anything. And then I sat on my bed, like just staring at the floor like a creep in my bedroom. Rob was a little weirdo and he would he often had like after shower music that he would play while he was like drying off and mm-hmm. get and getting dressed. Okay. And for a while it was like Night Swimming by REM that was his song. <laughs> and then it he had transitioned from Night Swimming by REM to Tiny Dancer by Elton John, which is weird, but whatever, everybody lived their life. So I played that because I was just sitting on the bed and just like trying to put myself in his head like I was a detective. And while I was listening to Tiny Dancer by Elton John, I looked on the floor and realized that there was a piece of paper upside down on the floor next to where his feet would have been. And I picked it up and it was his suicide note. Okay. So I have like a terrible soundtrack for like the worst moment of my life ish yeah and I read the note and I started wailing so loudly and uncontrollably that 
my mother called me from upstairs mm-hmm. because she heard me and was like, Mia, are you all right? Like, mm-hmm. girl. And I was like, no, I'm not. And I said, I'm going to call Debbie, which is my sister. She had just dropped me off maybe 10 minutes before. And I called her and told her that I needed her to come home, that I found a suicide note and that I didn't want to be alone. Mm -hmm. And she came, obviously came back promptly. And from that moment on, I didn't want to sleep in my bedroom anymore. Yeah. The suicide note was very sweet and simple. It had a few misspellings as were appropriate for Rob. He was dyslexic, so sometimes he didn't spell that well, which Mm -hmm. is hilarious. And it was just sweet and simple and told me that this is better and that, like, I'm not going to give you all the suicide information, but that this was better and that he loved me and thanked me. And I went to sleep with my sister upstairs in, in her bedroom from when she was younger her childhood bedroom okay um in the morning I was woken up uh with a call from the doctor at the hospital telling me that was about like six or seven in the morning when they did their rounds he just said he's in a coma and you know things are bad or whatever and I was like he's in a coma and they're like yeah he's unconscious and unresponsive and like I don't know why that didn't occur to me. I think when you're in shock, like, you need things to be explained to you, like, right. you're five years old. Yeah, yeah. Because I knew he was unconscious and unresponsive, but for some reason I didn't think he was in a coma, which is stupid. But I wasn't thinking clearly, and this was my first rodeo. So I contacted a few of my friends and his family, and I let his family know that I had found the note. And then I got a call a little while later, about nine in the morning, saying, you have to get to the hospital right now. So I, not that I think that anyone should do this, but I took one of his Ativan, which was a like kind of sedative-ish pill. Like when he would have a, when he would be agitated and like unconsolable, he, his psychiatrist told him, take an Ativan and that will like kind of cool your jets. Okay. So I think I knew he was dying. And after the suicide note, I knew that like the shit was going down. So I took a half of one of his Ativan because I thought I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be okay. Yeah. So maybe I'll be okay if I like, I'm, I'll be calmer if I take this. So... My sister took me to the hospital because she was still with me. And by the time I got there, he was coding and they were like doing chest compressions on him. And like the shit was hitting the fan. His parents were there and and I just stood like in shock with my mouth open, like not making a peep. Watching them work on him. And my sister had like a fucking like outburst (laughs) which is hilarious they had to literally kick her out of the ICU like I was just trying to stay in the room and the doctors had said like hey girl your outburst is going to make the 
the people working on Rob look at you and then they're not going to be paying attention to what they're doing. And then my cousin's mother who worked at the hospital and was there had to escort Debbie (laughs) out of the room. (laughs) So P.S. I love telling Debbie about how she couldn't keep her shit together when my husband was dying. So there's that. (laughs) So they escorted her ass out. And then the doctors came over to me and said, we've been working on him for 40 minutes. Yeah. Do you want us to stop? Yeah. And I I think his mother was there because I think she was like, no more. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay, I guess no more. So it's gross to have to make a decision about not continuing your husband's life. Because they ask you. It's weird that they ask you. It's like lovely a little bit. But like, also like, what is your answer going to be? I know. I don't know what I was supposed to answer. But, and by that time I had found the note. So I was like, I guess this is what he wanted anyway. So like, who am I to like get in the way of my man's decision? Yeah. It was weird. To, for, for anybody listening who has like had to do that. Mm -hmm. I've had, I've, I've been in a space where that's had to be done. Yeah. Um, you clearly have like. It is almost like uh, you're. You almost feel like you're in like a bubble, mm-hmm. or like and like the like the, it's a movie or a TV show going on it's around like you. You're, you're out of body experience. It's just so, and you're like, what, what, what do you want me to yeah, say? You're, you're what? almost like answering the way you think you should answer because, like, I don't know. Yeah, you what don't human know. Being say to this question. Yeah, I guess they say stop because it's not working exactly and like like what am they, i gonna ask these people to get back on his chest and keep doing it yeah like i don't know i'm 26 what, yeah like, what happens why are you asking if, me yeah. shit? <laughs> you know what what happens if you say no like what yeah it's like yeah i know and for those of you who have have had to to do that i feel terrible sorry I, I feel horribly sorry for you if yeah. you've never had to do it i'm you are blessed i'm yeah uh, but it is, and it's very. It's the fucking worst. Just adds to the sh- the trauma, right? Yeah, and adds to like the guilt that you feel. Suicide. Mm-hmm. Listen, all death makes you feel guilty in some way. Whether it's like I should have saw them more, or I should have talked to them, or maybe I would have known, or whatever, whatever bullshit we do to ourselves in our head to make things our fault because we just can't help ourselves. Suicide is extra rough sometimes because especially when you're that person's person like he's my husband I'm his next of kin I took care of him we we were there for each other and we had family and we had support but but it was my decision to make yeah it adds to the guilt that you feel on top of the mountain of guilt that you already feel when you weren't there when someone had their last moment or made the decision to take their life. It's just horrifying. And then like, and then you have to like leave the room so they can like prepare his little body for you to see. Yeah. And you leave and, and people are living their lives around you. Yeah. And you're like, you want to like smash everyone's face. Yeah. You're like, how, how does, how do you move forward? And, um, hopefully talking about it or listening to other people's stories can help you start to heal sort of like this but yeah and then like i gotta plan someone's funeral 
Yeah, then, like, then, like, then they're, like, they rush you through that. They're, like, yeah, yeah okay, like, this like, happened. I never like, did that before. Like, let's move on. Let's, and you're, like, wait, what? And I worked at that hospital, and I did transport for that hospital, among a few other things, and I would, in my job at the hospital, I took dead bodies to the morgue. Right. As well as people to their exams and other ways of transporting people around the hospital. So I fucking knew where he was going. Yeah. I knew that someone had to get the stretcher from the morgue, which is very uncomfortable and metal and cold. And then they had to bring it up. Someone had to zip his body in a body bag and just slide his ass over onto this thing and bring him downstairs and then leave him in there. Yeah. Like in the refrigerator with all the other dead bodies, which felt gross. It felt like I didn't want to be privy to the knowledge of like what the inside of the morgue looked like at the hospital, but I knew exactly because I had worked there. Mm-hmm. So it's just an extra layer of ick. Yeah, it didn't make it easier. Yeah. And my family was so great and took such good care of me. My brothers, while I was upstairs telling people and people were coming over and bringing you fucking ZD or whatever, like my brothers were downstairs cleaning that whole space where he took his last breaths. Mm -hmm. They cleaned every crevice of my dresser that had carving in it with Q-tips and like two bottles of peroxide to get the blood out. Mm -hmm. And it, when I went downstairs, it looked like nothing ever happened. Even though I like could feel like I could see it, even though it wasn't there anymore. And I remember looking in the garbage at all of the fucking Q-tips they used to clean this house to make it look perfect for me if I wanted to sleep down there. Mm -hmm. What they must have been going through. Like, they loved him. People make sacrifices and take care of things for you because they love you and they don't want you to do it. Yeah. And I remember going to the funeral home And just like laying my whole half of my body on the desk while my father sat next to me and my brothers knelt on the floor next to me like they were fucking soldiers or something. They didn't sit in the other two chairs that were right there. They knelt on the like knelt on their knee next to me Mm -hmm. just to make sure that like they were right there for me. Like you can't repay someone for that. Like Mm -hmm. you can't. You can't thank someone enough for doing that. And, like, I didn't ask them to do that. They just, like, needed to be near me and feel like they could take care of me. Which is the automatic reaction to anybody. Yeah. Hopefully hopefully the automatic reaction to anybody who's with someone who's grieving. It doesn't need to be because some people are terrible at it. They are. And it's not their fault, really. They're awkward. Yeah. It just felt good to know that like I was I had a lot of moments after Rob passed away where suicide felt like a really good option for me within. I think I thought about it a few times a day for about two months after, Mm -hmm. if not more than two times a day. And I thought, well, that would then we'd be together and that'd be easy. Right. And it was so helpful to have people want to be around your miserable fucking ass 24 hours a day Mm -hmm. so you would be okay because not everyone gets that that's that's right and he had a beautiful funeral and 
awake for two days where everyone showed up with their little stupid face and they asked you a million questions like, what happened? And some people need to know the dirty details because they're curious and some people give a shit. And I played our wedding song at his wake and I played a Coldplay song, The Scientist, because it reminded me of him and that album was out during that time. Mm-hmm. started wailing during the song, The Scientist. Again, so uncontrollably that I was like hyperventilating and wailing at the same time and no one can stop me from doing it Mm -hmm. and I couldn't stop me from doing it. I was like apologizing in between my breaths while Mm -hmm. I was doing it and like my sister and my brothers got like on the floor in front of me to try to like help me be okay. Yeah. And I remember a lot of my friends telling me that like, I straight ruin that song for them. (laughs) They're like, yeah, I can't listen to Coldplay or The Scientist anymore because like hearing that noise was like the worst noise I ever heard. And I couldn't stop myself from doing it. Like I don't, I couldn't even make the noise now if I tried. Mm -hmm. It's just like a primal guttural noise of pain. Yeah. And Yeah. And then I had to bring him to like the little crematorium or whatever. And that like, it's mm-hmm. just weird all around, you know, and that wasn't customary in my family's life because I was raised Catholic and everybody has their wakes and the funeral and the right, church right. and this, it was, it was weird. And I was the first person to have to make those decisions in my family. At and a very also, young age. Yeah. And also one of the first people in my life to have to do that. I hope no one I know has to do that. But right. And that's just one husband. So to be continued, everybody, in the future. <laughs> uh, yeah, nothing. Uh, sorry. Why am I laughing? <laughs> I don't, so, why is everything happening? <laughs> uh, it's my uncomfortable laugh, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I'm a nervous laugher. Me too. You know. And yeah. then people are I like, what's of, wrong with you? And yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I try to keep it together, but it's hard. <laughs> We've truly taken mm-hmm. a deeper look into your relationship with yeah. grief this episode. On a on a day that means so much to you. Yeah. So, this was very helpful, actually. Oh, I'm glad. Despite it seeming like the worst thing to do today. <laughs> Sometimes that's the option, though. Yeah. Doing the worst thing makes you feel the best later. Yeah. It takes a lot of work to to deal with uh to deal with grief. Like yeah. you have to put the work into yeah. it. Yeah. You're like there's that room on fire. <laughs> Guess what? I have to walk through that room. Yeah. To get to the place where there's where I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah. Yuck indeed. Mhm. Um so on a like a last note, yeah. I guess I would say. Mhm. After all of the the sad parts of of this tale, mm-hmm. what is the one thing, one joyful thing you'd like to remember about Rob today on this very special day? Rob was hilarious and so sweet and loved me so completely. And I'm grateful that I got to be the love of his life. And I'm lucky. I hope that he felt grateful for me. And his suicide note would tell me yes, but I like feel like I know the answer is yes, but I wish 
that I could just have him tell me like really quick one time. I think that um, what what's what you feel in the core of you is the right answer. I know. It just would be so sweet <laughs> to have verbal confirmation. But I agree. And I was lucky. I was lucky to be his and we had a beautiful life for the amount of time that we did our best. God, so you made, yikes. Yeah. You made yeah. us cry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought that I would cry for like this whole episode. So you're welcome, everyone. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> oh my gosh. And this doesn't take away from my other husband, Darren. We just didn't have time to like go into that sad lady story. But that was very beautiful. Also, everybody. It was. I was I was there for, yeah, for a lot of that. Yeah, you got to experience I did. Yeah. We'll do like a... <laughs> an alternate episode where where I get to tell you all of my misery. Husband one and husband two. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll see. But <laughs> but next week is not for me. Or next next month episode. Or whatever, yeah. Next episode. Next episode. I'll be the one telling <laughs> a tale of of woe. I'll have some questions for you. Oh Jesus Christ. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I am deeply grateful for what you shared today thank you and it's a it is a gift as sad as it is it's a gift that you're able to talk about it and that you're here to talk about it um um, and that you're able to talk about it um because so many people i know that are are working through grief aren't working through it and they're holding it all inside and they're just not able it's hard it's very painful i can see why people want to not deal with it yeah but you're so much better off when you do just if you're hurting or you or your situation is similar to mine in some way or or not just know that there there is the possibility of things getting better and more beautiful and even great but that doesn't change the love you had for someone Mm -hmm. and that that does stay even when it's bittersweet yeah so Agreed. Uh, and for a later episode, this, we'll we'll talk about the stages of grief and like we'll have to reference yeah. your experience and how you traveled through that too. But for another episode, yeah, hold on to your pants, everybody. Jesus, yeah, hold on to every, hold on to your titties. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Yes, I, I know this was a arduous episode it sure was and if you're feeling alone or you're feeling like you need to talk to someone or if you're feeling uh, overwhelmed you are not alone and um, if you're looking for resources to find someone to talk to uh, you could look in our show notes uh, for some links and um, and we hope that you find the peace that you deserve And take good care of yourself. Yeah. See you next time. Or hear you next time. Or (laughs) hear you next time, everyone. Right. Okay. Bye. Bye.